Today, we're going to try something new here. I, I brought someone that, uh, I guess you could call him, uh, my anger management. Uh, I brought a friend. We're going to try something <laughs> completely unhinged. Most of the shit I do is unhinged. But, uh, I brought uh, a friend, uh, as a co-host for, uh, who knows how long? So, <laughs> I bring you the bearded taco. Uh, taco, say what's up. What's up, everyone? Good job. Good job. I say, say what's up, and you say what's up. Dance, little monkey, dance. Um, oh, anyway, uh, so today we are going to Try something new with a segment that I've brought you guys before <laughs> called The Best of the Worst of Wrestling. Because we're going to take a look back at one of WWE's failed attempts to bring back ECW as we glance at eh, 2006's One Night Stand, which was never just for one night because they did this three years in a row. So, ah, uh, hell. This should be fun. You, I've got my whiskey. You got whatever you're dealing with, Taco? Oh, yeah, I'm ready. All right. So we're, we're going to start off at the... The following program is rated TVMA. Screen. If you guys want to follow along, which... <laughs> no, you don't want to, because we're, we're going to be in and out, yakking about the match... Reminiscing about old school products and talking about how much this product blows that we have today. So, yeah, you don't, unless you want to keep hitting the pause button, just enjoy. All right, and here we go. Starting at the TVMA point and uh, hitting play now. So, uh, when it starts off, there's a nice panning of the crowd and uh, the ring and all sorts of fun as Joey Styles hits us with a little bit of commentary and oh, look at that, look at that. Paul E. Heyman. The Everyone's Paul Heyman. I love Paul Heyman. The advocate for Brock Le I'm sorry, Brock Lesnar. Is Brock Lesnar I don't I hate I hate Brock Lesnar, but as far as the mouthpiece, they couldn't pick anyone better because there are few people in the product today that are better on the mic than Paul Heyman. I just can't stand him. I dare you to find anyone outside of maybe Enzo or Bray. And other than that, 
There, I may be missing a few um, outside of the part-timers. But other than that, shit. No, man. I'll give you that. That's probably why I can't stand it. He's really good at being annoying. Oh, yeah, he is. And, of course, you know, we get to him pandering to the crowd, which, when it comes to an ECW crowd, I think that considering he was the one that started, uh, well, not he didn't start ECW, but he really built it to what we remember it being today. No, it's it would still be Eastern Championship Wrestling without anything extreme. But uh, other than that, yeah, he he basically the the mic is a weapon in his hands right now, and he gets this crowd so riled up. Which, considering the matches that we're gonna deal with, things like uh, the FBI versus <laughs> Tajiri and Super Crazy and shit like that, and well, no one does, so, you know, that works. But, uh, you know, then you have things like Taz and Lawler, which, <laughs> you know, considering the fact that that's what you're working with, was getting the crowd this riled up needed? I mean, you get them so excited and go, and now you get to sit through this for three hours, yay! Fuck. Uh, to be fair, let's let's be honest. With the ECW crowd, most of them were probably drunk anyway. I mean, shit. To sit through this uh, card and uh, mo- actually, you know, as much as I hate to say it, I loved ECW back in the day. And then I look at some of the stuff that they have on the network now that I loved then, and I go, "What was I thinking? What did I see in this shit?" ECW cards were always just kind of out there looking back. Yeah. But you look at things like the cards now, and really, yeah, back then they were amazing, but now you look at it and go, without things like what they gave us then, would we really have the product that we have now? Because there were so many high spots and oh my God moments that, frankly... Nowadays, that's all the damn match is, is high spot after high spot, holy shit moment after holy shit moment, and then the bell rings. And I haven't seen a match in a long time that I would say is one I'm going to remember. No, no. And then you look at things like on the network where you go to NWA programming and shit like that. Old school WCW. And when I'm talking old school, I mean like, 89 and before. And then you look at even as recent as, of course, the Attitude Era. But even before the Attitude Era on WWE. You know, from like, I'd say, 92 on. Until maybe, well, shortly after Triple H and HBK feuded in the early 2000s. Right. And then you look at it and go... Alright, we had all that shit, and then for the last decade or so, we've had this? Oh, yay. But, I mean, for the past six months, I have watched everything, every pay-per-view, every Monday or Tuesday night. No idea why, but I do. Oh, here comes Taz. How, how, how tall do you think Taz is? Like, two foot eleven? I'll give him four foot something. Ah, uh, that's... You look like a brick shit house. Yeah, well, uh, I'll give you a shit house. I don't know about brick. He's gonna be going up against Lawler, isn't it? Yeah. But we're gonna try and sit through it just because uh, we're we're crazy enough. Lawler before the... What, what, what heart attack is he on? Not as many wives as he's on now. No, no, no. But I, but I think that if you added up the number of heart attacks he's had and the number of wives that he's had, if you add the two numbers together, you probably get the age of his next wife. Probably. Would not surprise me one bit. Uh, Joey must have said something to the king because he just uh, got slapped 
right across the face. Even then, Taz was going gray in that goatee. He really was. Oh, no, I'm, I'm looking right at it. <laughs> As a man who just started seeing his own gray in his own fucking beard, I can see some gray in that uh, poorly shaven whatever the hell. I'm not even going to call that a goatee or whatever the fuck. Oh, there we go. And Joey jumps on the king's back to try and get some kind of uh, retribution. Taz gets the Taz mission right on him. And thank God, it looks like we're going to be kind of saved from having to sit through this shit. Yeah, good. I, uh, it would have just been a horrible match to begin with. No wonder I didn't remember this shit. I mean, granted, you know, when you look at the uh, amount of scotch that I've consumed over the years, <laughs> Cuddy Sark and all, you kind of begin to wonder how I have any memory at all of anything ever. And then you get to a point like this, and I go, I'm just glad to see that there's a reason for that. Other than my own bad choices. Right. When I first heard this match was in this, it just didn't make any sense to me. Not at all. All right. Joey yammering on about something more. Uh, let's see here. Hope he's not making any bad political jokes that he might get fired over. Oh, wait. Never mind. He already did that. Uh, a little bit of a... Kurt Angle reminds me. Did you see that he's the first one in the Hall of Fame class this year? Yeah, I'm thinking that they're going to start running out of... And depending on who follows him, uh, it might be this year that they begin to. But sooner or later, they're going to run out of people to put in the Hall of Fame. If they go seven or eight at a time, they are. You're going to have to go with current wrestlers, like, in their 30s. Yeah. You're going to have moments, uh, you know, if they keep going at the rate they're going, where people will retire, and then the moment that they get done retiring, uh, the next year is when they're going to end up going in, you know? Yeah. It'll be like they retire just to be put in the Hall of Fame, and then they'll come back. Yeah, I mean, the, either have a retirement match and get put in that year, or they'll leave in, like, say they left someone left this year. 2018 class of uh, the Hall of Fame is... Oh, hell. Give them a few uh, extreme matches and a few injuries, and who knows? Bray Wyatt might be in the Hall of Fame. You never know. Randy Orton, when he had hair... Definitely not on uh, his chest, that's for sure. <laughs> you know, Randy, I gotta say, I was not a fan of his, uh, say, during this general time period. But when he was running with the uh, Legend Killer thing, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. And I, I just felt like they were basically going from one thing to another. I mean, he was in um, oh, Evolution, um... Evolution. You know, he was in there with them, and then he had a little bit of a solo push. Then he quickly became the legend killer. And, you know, it, it was just like, give give me a fucking break. Give, give him something better, or get him off my screen. And luckily, uh, eventually, I mean, granted, this was 06. So you're talking 10 years ago. So they had plenty of fucking time. But they eventually did give him something better. I do kind of like him with the Wyatt family. It's interesting. Then you see right there the cutaway to last Monday, or the Monday before this pay-per-view anyway, of him attacking Kurt Angle during Raw. But you saw uh, Edge and Mick Foley in that little cutaway. And that was that was one of my favorite storylines of this whole pay-per-view. That was probably the only storyline of this whole pay-per-view that didn't make me roll my eyes. Because... It gave me one of the best promos, I think, that Mick Foley had done in quite some time. And I think it was one of his last good promos, actually. I don't know if you remember this, but he basically talks about how ECW was a whore who didn't love him back. I mean, it was just him sitting in a chair doing this promo. I mean, he, he wasn't getting animated or anything, and it didn't go nearly as long as the promos do nowadays. And it gave me more chills than any promo that I've seen in the last 
three or four years, if not longer. The ones that are close are Bray Wyatt's promos at least. They're darker, but... Oh, yeah. Oh, and I've told you this in private, but yeah. Let's, let's face it. Bray Wyatt, if done right, could be the Jake the Snake of today. But the way that they keep... I, the booking for him is just so erratic. I think this thing with Randy that he's doing now is probably the longest that they've stuck with the one storyline for him. And he's really, as much of a head-scratcher as it was to begin with, this is really something that... Uh, I, I, I actually like that storyline, you know, that, that pairing. It's interesting. At first, I didn't really get it, but it works. Yeah. So Randy just rolled out to the apron, you know, and then out uh, of the ring, uh, trying to play mind games with uh, Kurt Angle, which, you know, Kurt, the thing that I feel, I feel bad for Kurt because, or at least if the rumors are true, because the dirt sheets are saying that uh, he's trying to get another match, you know, one more match to go out on uh, with WWE. But the man's had so many neck and back surgeries because he's just all sorts of fucked up that like give him McFoley current McFoley one more match right yeah I mean don't get me wrong McFoley looks great with his work as far as what he's done since he's been on DDP yoga however the damage is done I mean hell even if most of his body could I don't think his knees would want it to. <laughs> no. I do feel like he wants to do one more match. He just physically can't do it. No, no. You know, th this is something you don't see too often anymore. Angle just had Orton in a headlock, and now he's got him in another one. I mean, this goes back to what I was saying earlier. You don't need every damned move to be a high spot. Right there, he was just chasing him. And you had fans reacting. You had fans reacting when he had him in a headlock. Slow it down. And you can get, even if you slow it down, you know, what they need to do is either take that three hours of Raw and cut it down to two, or yeah. just basically have half the amount of matches and then give the matches that they do have twice the time. Because... People are, you know, I don't want to put words in anybody's mouth, but it seems like the talent is trying to fit in as much as they can in the allotted time that they have, and they're only given, what, seven, eight minutes, sometimes maybe a little bit more. You know, sometimes, um, if they're lucky, as much as 12. And granted, some seem like they, they're short because of commercials. Right. However... Dolph and John Cena on Raw, I want to say in 2013 or 14, went on for almost 20 to 30 minutes, I want to say. And it was one of those that, it was the best match that I'd seen all year, and the irony on that shit is it wasn't anywhere near the best match rating as far as what they put in the Slammies that year. I was like, okay, that, that that has to win. And I don't even know if it was one of the choices that they gave you. And I thought it was a disservice. I mean, it had people on their damned toes cheering. I mean, babies were thrown up in the air. I mean, shit. Personally, I think that they should take the cruiserweight. Mm-hmm. And that would cut out half the matches. Yeah. If they took out the cruiserweight moments and duck the cruiserweights just on 205 Live, I think that that would be great because th they are specifically for the network. Yeah. I think WWE does need a show specifically for the network. Oh, yeah. yeah. I've said this to you privately, and they could almost do a more extreme show on the network. Oh, hell yeah. Because it's their network. And you kind of see that with their uh, pay-per-views now, where they're not really following some of the rules that they used to. However, I think that you're absolutely right. They need to do that with the shows. I mean, I really haven't seen much of main event. 
I don't I don't know if I could even point to one of the seven people that probably watches that thing. But because of that, I really can't say what they do on main event, but I hope that they're trying to push a little bit of the envelope there as well. But I think that what they need to do is, well, on top of adding more of the old shit, like, what are they doing with primetime? Like, primetime came on the network, and then they just stopped after a certain point putting new episodes up. Oh, well, I say new episodes, but I'm talking like, you know, the 87, 88 time frame. I'm, I'm looking for the ones in the early 90s, you know, or even superstars. Oh, Randy just gave uh, Kurt a, a little bit of a elbow to the face and got him in a headlock. But that elbow to the face looked more believable than, well, probably two-thirds of the shit that they give us now. Right. Whatever happened to selling? Now it is so obvious. Like, there's even points you can see it clearly. Some of the hits that they'll take, like the punches and stuff that they'll give each other. Clearly, on camera, not hitting each other. Now, I, I hate, I, I've already said I hate Brock. And he's a part-timer, so I don't know if I give him all the rules that I give everybody else. However, last week, they gave a segment to us. Or no, it was earlier this week. Where it was Brock and Roman and a bunch of others in the ring. Oh, Monday Night Raw, right? Yeah. Roman hits him with one of the Superman punches. Yep. He goes down, face first. And I'm thinking, well, shit. How much did they have to pay Brock for him to sell like that? Right. But the moment he turns around, three seconds later, he's up and acting like he, he doesn't hold his jaw. Nothing to show that he just got punched. He got up like nothing happened and then just takes him out. Yeah, give him an F5 at the end. And I'm just like, what in the entire hell? Oh, elbow to the back of Randy Orton's head. Flying elbow at that. I don't know if uh, Kurt could give a flying anything at this point. No, I really don't think he could. Maybe a leaping something, but not a flying anything, really. Oh, Kurt's got the uh, ankle lock put on Randy, which Randy gets out of it pretty quick when you know it. Kurt has his singlet halfway off, so that means the match is almost over. Yeah, that pretty much. And... You know, I mean, granted, I should have noticed this before if the match is at least halfway over, but how old is the fucking ref at this point? I mean, he look look at him. I, I don't suppose that he's probably any older than 17. No, yeah, that's a young kid. Yeah. Orton's going up top, it looks like. Let's see what happens there. Oh, looks like Kurt was going to take it down, but he didn't. Good couple shots to the head, and Kurt's down. That's a close one. Yeah. Nice little flying uh, crossbody right there, and he thought he was going to go for a pin, but Kurt kind of swishes up on him, even though he didn't get it. Nice little short-arm clothesline. He's really good at selling it. It was only about, I want to say, probably 2008 or so, that all of a sudden... So about two years later after this uh, pay-per-view, not so slowly, they forgot how to sell anything. I mean, I don't think any of them could sell Girl Scout cookies at this point. Oh, you had a good old uh, ankle lock once again and Kurt for the win. Wait, go back a little bit. Was that? I swear I just saw Ted Cruz there for a second. Shit. Or at least someone just as ugly as him. That's too far back. Oh, don't. uh, No, don't. Don't literally go back. All right, so uh, Kurt gets his little celebration in for all of about, uh, I'd say maybe 1,200 people. Oh, Randy limping off uh, with the help of trainers and things like that. I can't remember if this was a kayfabe injury or if this was a, a real one. If I remember right, he did really get injured around this time period. I just can't remember if it was here or not. That probably was because the, the way... I mean, he he was good at selling, uh, as were a lot of the talent around this time frame, but I don't think that he was that good at selling. All right, so let's see here. There's Guido, or little Guido, and, uh... Oh, yeah, full-blooded Italian. Yeah. Now you remember FBI. Shit. 
Then you got Big Guido, who was... What, uh, what, what the hell did they do with Big Guido? I mean, they didn't do anything, and look at that big bastard. Can you imagine him and Beef going against each other? I'm sorry, I, I know it's Braun, but I call him Beef Stroganoff. That could be entertaining. Yeah. I'm actually kind of curious when it's going to be Cass going up against Braun. But imagine, imagine Beef Stroganoff against uh, Big Guido's nose. I mean, look at that thing. Just the nose, not even the rest of the body. And then there's Tajiri uh, coming out uh, with Super... I remember Super Crazy. Yeah, he, he's one of those that you say Super Crazy and you're like, Who? And then you show him a picture and go, Oh, yeah, the, the, there's a reason I didn't remember him. They could have done so much more with him. Uh, not much more. Well, uh, uh, let me rephrase that. Not much more if they wanted to keep their ratings. That's true. But, uh... You know, people like Little Guido, you know, and, and Super Crazy, people built like that, you know, for some reason, people just didn't want to see. Which is funny because, I mean, this was only, what, 10 years ago? Well, now almost uh, 11. And people like the ones that are in this match, Little Guido and Tony Marmaluke and Super Crazy and Tajiri, they were not your fan favorites because of their style, you know? Oh, that style is the cruiserweight. Yeah. It, oh, shit. If you look at uh, even AJ Styles and Sami Zayn, it, not even just the cruiserweights. Right. Like, it's the style now. Yeah. And they would have been great in the product now. However, they're not around now. I mean, Tajiri's kind of around now a little bit. Yeah, but, but the rest were kind of squandered uh, at this point, uh, even in 2006. And you look at it now and you go, imagine what they could have done today. Right. There are a lot of those guys from back then that I am curious what they could do with today. Yeah. You know? Oh, shit. I don't do a face plant for, uh, was, was that little Guido or yeah, I think that was little Guido. He's face down on the mat right now. So I can't really fucking tell, but, or no, shit. I'm sorry, the the whiskey was playing tricks on my eyes. That was Tony Marmaluke. Now it's Little Guido going up against uh, Tajiri. Every move Super Crazy is doing right now is all stuff that, um, oh, I can't remember his name at the moment, but literally every move that Tajiri and Super Crazy are doing is every move the Cruiserweights are pulling off. Oh, armbar uh, on the mat for... Little Guido uh, trying to stretch that arm of Tajiri, but... Oh, shit. Nice little... I want to say high-flying maneuver from Super Crazy, but... I can't in good conscience say that was high-flying. That was like a somersault. All of four feet off the ground. Oh. Big Guido said, you know what? I'm tired of just sitting here and doing absolutely diddly squat. I want in the match. He's gonna go beat up on the guy half his size. And we're supposed to believe that he's not going to be fine after that. But, I mean, come on now. That, that's one thing that they're just now starting to get to doing again in the product today. Is you have your big jacked up monsters, you know? I mean, you got Braun, you got Brock, you got a few that probably don't start with a B. I was going to say big cast. Cat, we'll just say Cass. We'll, we'll say Cass and then it starts with C. That's our story and we're sticking to it. Alright, that works. But no, not even him. I mean, that's not really a your monster, so to speak, kind of thing. He's a big guy, but I'm talking about the guys who basically just go in, clean house, and don't hardly get hit, you know, let alone lose. For, oh, double team on Tajiri for the FBI. But Tajiri uh, turning that shit around nice and quick. Is he gonna? He looks like he's about to try and spit that mist, which I always wondered how in the hell, where the hell does he keep that in his mouth? You know, it's gotta be hiding it under his tongue or something. Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, if it were me, by now it would be dribbling down my chin like a two dollar whore. Oh, yeah. That's what it was as many times as he gets hit in the face. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, what the hell was that? That Like, that was the most half assed way of going over the railing right there. I've got a little bit of a delay on you, but yeah, that was awful attempt at making it look like he got shoved over the top into the audience. 
Yeah. And you see, you know, that was kind of, I hate to say it, but that even, right there, we, we talked about how these guys would fit in with today's product. Even that right there would fit in with today's product, because some of the selling, it, it often leaves me wondering, did the camera mean to catch it like that? Oh, here comes Big Show. Have you seen the pictures circulating about, uh, you know, how Big Show's looking for his uh, match against Shaq? Oh my god. He is looking ripped. Which, I'm sorry, but, you know, way to go, Big Show, because you're beginning to look ripped in the twilight of your fucking career. I'm watching this without sound, so you're going to have to fill me in. What the hell is JBL yammering about right now? He's been on my screen for all of about four minutes now. All I know is he's got the audience pretty riled up. Ah. Uh, well, you know, he did He did really, he, and he does still to this day, have a really good sense of how to do that. Oh, yeah. However, I find it kind of funny that, and only funny in a really bad way because it's true but i want to say one of the very first ecw pay-per-views in fact i think it was the first one that they did for wwe in 06 i think Heyman came out and said that the only reason that he was ever wwe champion is triple h didn't want to work tuesdays and it's true but Considering the fact that, one, he's got such a talent on the mic, even as commentator. He's one of the only commentators... For a guy who was originally just a sidekick to Farouk, mm -hmm. what he is now, like, it's just insane. You know, and you say sidekick, but I think that they were one of the best tag teams of that era. But however, you look at it and you go... Okay, you're that good on the mic. You have one of the best damn clotheslines in the fucking business in history. Oh, yeah. And yeah, you just couldn't get a break because... I can't figure out if Vince rents or owns that spot he has up Triple H's ass, or if it's the other way around. If Triple H is able to find a way to shove that big nose of his up Vince's ass. I can never figure out which... part of the deal when he married Stephanie. Yeah, I'm not sure which way it goes, but however it is, it's got Triple H uh, quite a few times where they could have gone with somebody else that's probably better and more fitting, and yet they went with him, and the only time that they didn't go with him is because he wanted to not work for a couple of days. Oh shit, look who it is. The homicidal, genocidal, suicidal Sabu. <laughs> I love it. You know, the, he, he is a crazy bastard that, quite frankly, I have missed on my pay-per-views and in the ring. Yeah, yeah. And then Mysterio. Oh, hell. See, this is just a weird matchup, but... Oh, I, I, see, I don't think it's that weird when you look at their styles. They're so high-flying that I think it fits perfectly. It just makes me mad because I look at it and go, how in the hell did WWE let Rey Mysterio go? I mean, you look at it and go, you know, I said, how many fans were there because of Rey Mysterio? You know what I mean? Yeah. And not just that, but does Lucha Underground really know what they have? I honestly don't think so. No. Well, and, and truth be told, if they did, not very many people would know it because not many people watch Underground. And I caught a couple of episodes recently, but that's about it. And I think that part of that reason is because that not many people have the channel that Underground is on. But that's beside the point. Kinda. Sort of. I need to have a Roku, so I can watch it whenever I want and Sling TV. Oh, Sling is the shit. It's great. Between Sling and Netflix, I pay less than half of what I did in cable before, and I get all the shit that I wanted to watch and more. I'm 
pay a fraction of what I did for cable, and I've got like HBO now, uh, Showtime anytime, all this other stuff, and I get, I watch what I want, when I want, I get what I want for a fraction of what I paid. This segment has been brought to you by Sling, but not really. <laughs> Sling, if you're listening, we can take a check from you. Shit, I can take anything from you. Well, almost anything. I have my limits. Pants stay on. Oh, oh match starts. A couple of uh, arm bars. Ray Mysterio is probably one of the best at selling it. He always has been, I think. Oh, hell yeah. Oh, failed 619 right there for uh, Ray. Got to... Uh, Drop kick to the knee uh, for his troubles, and then a, a chair to the face. Trying to pay attention to that boom cut after he hit his head on the chair, because he was known for doing that. Yeah, he didn't blame. Oh, shit, just look at his body and well, then his face, and you'll see that. Uh, yeah, when it comes to the shit that didn't cut him naturally, <laughs> he had no problem blading. Oh, no, and you could always tell when he was doing it, too, because he had both hands up on his forehead or whatever. Yeah, I mean, he, he he was, if something didn't give him juice naturally, he got that color one way or another, you know? There were, th- uh, I was going to say three, but, you know, there were four. Oh, no, Dusty, Dusty, I forgot Dusty. There were five really good bleeders in all of wrestling. Flair, Dusty, Oh, yeah. Piper, Mick Foley, and Sabu. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, yeah, everyone else had their moments. However, those four, when it comes to not just when they bled, but how much, and then the images that they would give when doing so, was just like, holy shit. Like, Flair, like, I can't count how many times I've seen him thinking he's going to pass out from blood loss. You know, the moment that they got color in that match with uh, Orton versus Brock. Oh, nice little uh, flying drop kick. Or not, not, that wasn't even a drop kick. That was more of a leg drop. But uh, that was a pretty nice little move there from Sabu. But when they got color there the hard way, you know, it just, it was so believable that it, it really... It had me going there for at least a day and a half, two days. Yeah. Like, I legitimately believed it for a few days. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's so rare now that anybody believes. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'd like it if they kept it rare. I don't believe that it needs to be as rare as it is. Exactly. Like, it doesn't need to be all the time like it used to be. But a couple of situations, it would make sense that they would bleed, you know. Yeah. I'm thinking, you know, to, to help the product, they need to cut back on the pay-per-views that they have from, like, whatever, 13, 14, whatever it is now to, like, maybe eight, right? I think there's, what, like, two a month almost? Yeah, they need to keep, like, four for each SmackDown and Raw, and then they need to keep the TakeOver specials. Yeah. And I want to say every other one of those have, it doesn't have to be a gusher, but every other one, you know, every second pay-per-view or special, just have a moment where it can be on the arm. Hell, anything. Give us something. Yeah, something small. Yeah. And, you know, on occasion, probably once or twice a year, have a moment where it's on the head gushing, you know? Right. Doesn't have to be you know, every fucking match, but give us something. See, and that's what I miss about the cage matches from back in the day. Mm-hmm. Those were actually brutal back in the day. Now nobody uses the cage. You know no, what I mean? yeah, no, no one. The cage is just there, you know, for window dressing. Yeah, it, it's there as a prop, and that's it. Was that a flying butt bump that Sapu just gave? I mean, there was a, there was a few quick little high flying moments, but. I think he just hit him with his bony ass. That's just rude. Okay, that that is the worst pin I've ever seen. If for no other reason than Sabu had Rey Mysterio's head only about a centimeter and a half away from his nuts. Yeah, that was about to be a whole different rating than TDMA. <laughs> that was about to be a whole nother pay-per-view. 
I was expecting bad disco music and, you know, Ron Jeremy and I don't I don't know what. See, the thing I liked about Sabu, though, he reminded me of early McFoley, where he just put his body on the line. Oh, speaking of nuts, looks like Mysterio just hit his. That hurt me. Yeah. Some of those moves do. When you see someone get kicked in the cojones, you go, oh, ooh, ooh, that... Ah, you start to kind of squirm a little bit and move around like, oh, wait, wait. Oh, okay, now I'm all right. If Cena wins, we riot. I just saw that sign in, in the uh, crowd. Feel that way today. I was going to say, how do you think they feel now? <laughs> and you just hit it right in the head. I still feel that way today. And so do I. If he wasn't trying to do the movie star thing so much, I wouldn't be as bothered by him winning. But... He's in what, like one, two matches a year? Yeah. And then that really bad, uh, well, they, they call it reality TV, but it's reality TV light on the reality. I can't even remember what the name of it was, but I think it was True Grit or something like that. Oh, God, that was horrible. I mean, it almost pained me as much as that nut shot that Mysterio just took. But let's be fair, every reality show on Fox is just awful. Every reality show was just awful. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> They're just... I can't think of a single reality TV show that uh, I've seen that I go, you know what? I could watch a second episode of that. I, I mean, hate to admit it, but I was super addicted to Jersey Shore. You're right, you should hate to admit that. <laughs> I don't know why. I was shamelessly addicted. I can't, you know... I can't even throw a stone because, you know, let, let alone pass one. But I, I really can't because when it comes to reality TV, I give it so much shit. But I look back at some of the first incarnations, not like the 12th or whatever the fuck The Miz was on. But... Road rules and the no, real world, like the early ones. Yeah, no, no road rules, but the real world. I wasn't necessarily a fan, but I didn't hate it, you know? Before it was so obviously scripted. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of like wrestling is now. But. Oh, okay. Now we have Terry Funk and Tommy Dreamer against Edge and Mick Foley, which we've already covered the uh, promo that Mick Foley gave for this match. But uh, how how old do you think that uh, Terry Funk was at this time? He had to have been in his 60s. Or else he had lived a really hard life. Well, it could have been a, a little combo of both. The man spent most of uh, his career bleeding in Texas and, you know, down south. Or... Well, him and uh, Mick Foley had some amazing matches. Yeah. Or uh, Thumbtacks and Barbed Wire and even Explosives uh, in matches in the Orient. I mean, shit. He was a crazy bastard and, and still is. Yeah. Did I ever tell you about the time that I saw him in person? I saw a match with him against Dustin Runnels, a.k.a. Goldust. And the highlight of the night, this just goes to show you a house show in WCW, how much excitement they have. The highlight of the night was during that match, they gave each other. You remember when Rikishi would fight, he'd give a stink face. They gave each other both stink faces at different times throughout the match. Unfortunately for me, I was in like the third row of the arena and near the corner that Terry Funk gave his stink face. So I saw more of Terry Funk than I care to admit on that night. Yeah. I don't envy you. No, no. I, I wouldn't envy me either. <laughs> oh, let's see here. Yeah, we're just setting up for the match. And then Lita and her perky tits. You know, even now, like the whole Lita Edge and Matt Hardy thing. Mm -hmm. I'm kind of upset at WWE how they played that. They could have done so much more with it, considering it was a real feud. They could have just let Matt Hardy and Edge go at it. But I really think one of them would have killed the other. Yeah, yeah. and But see, that's the thing. That would have been all right. 
It would have been made millions for the company. And uh, I'm sorry, if you look at it, one of them could have killed the other. And then I look at what we have now, which is just heavily choreographed in the matches, in the promos and everything, just horribly chore. It's more choreographed than the prequels were for Star Wars. And that's saying something. And you look at that and I go, you know, yeah, they could have killed each other or one of them could have killed the other, but you got to break a few eggs. True. You know, this, this match is kind of a mismatch. You know, it's, it's not fair because Tommy Dreamer and Beulah and, and Terry Funk are really outnumbered right now because it's five on three right now. Because, I mean, you got Mick, you got Edge, you got Lita, and then you got whatever the hell Lita calls those two tits. Pretty much, yeah. And those are weapons in their own right. And then you got Beulah, who, uh, you know, comparatively, yeah, they're both part of the itty-bitty titty committee, but I think one's got a leg up on the other, if you catch my drift. Although, I wish she'd stay off the fucking mic, like uh, she she's not doing right now. Yeah, she was never good on the mic. I think the one true injustice in wrestling is the fact that during her matches, there was never a good old Janet Jackson wardrobe malfunction. During Edge's celebration show with Lita. Now, I I think that that was meant to happen, so that's why I'm saying there was never a true wardrobe malfunction, like a tit slip or anything. Well, I mean, like, the WWE plays it off like it was an accident, but I think you're right, it probably wasn't meant to happen. Uh, well, here comes uh, Tommy and uh, Terry and Beulah. Beulah, I'm sorry, Beulah has always kind of given that look to me as the mom. You ever have a friend back in like high school or whatever where you'd go over to their house and even before she speaks, you just go, oh yeah, she's probably a bitch. Oh yeah. Yeah, that that's her. That that that's her. She's that mom. And then she speaks and you go, "Yep, I was right." And she just looks like a soccer mom with a stick up her ass. That's that's my point. And then she speaks and then she wrestles and that feeling never goes away. So, uh, let's see. Here. Thing I miss hardcore match. Yeah, shit spilled out to the outside now and Terry is getting lambasted with lefts and rights against Mick. And Tommy and Edge are in a whole other corner, basically throwing everything with the kitchen sink at each other. Probably would if there was one other thing. Oh, I'm sure they would. Get a nice little colder sink and just toss it at each other. But now you got Mick going towards the entryway and just taking Terry out. Ooh, that was a nice little shot with the fucking ladder from Edge to Tommy. Yeah, it was. I can't wait for the receipt. Because you know, someone hit you with a fucking ladder. The moment you can feel your face again, you're going after that asshole with a receipt. Oh, and there it goes. He tossed him right into the ladder. No wonder Edge has had back and neck problems in the past. I love the windmill right there that Terry's doing with the damn, you know, his head poked through the ladder and he's just going after everybody he can. Hitting anybody he wants. Uh, shit, I'm surprised that he didn't hit the ref. Just turning around like that, you know? Well, Terry's climbing the ladder, but he's starting to get tired just climbing it. I mean, the guy's got to be 60 at this point, so... Uh, or 160. Yeah. I don't think he was ever young. I don't recall him ever being young. No, I'm pretty sure it was kind of like one of those Benjamin Button moments. He probably plopped out of his mom, and he at least looked like he was 80 years old. And at that point, he just kind of, I'm sure for his first year, you know, for his first birthday, they probably gave him an AARP card. And from there, it was all downhill. You know, for his second birthday, they set him up with Social Security. And after that, shit just went all to hell. 
Oh, Mick's got the barbed wire. <laughs> oh, hell. One of those guys that's checking on Terry right now and trying to bring him to the back, you know, because he's bleeding so damn profusely. I don't know if you remember the character from uh, the early 90s, Skinner. Tobacco-chewing, alligator-wrestling dude. And he, he's... That was one of the guys that was checking on him because I don't know if he still does, but at this point he worked in the the back for the company. I, I believe he still does. But forever, no matter how old he gets, he was Skinner. And I'm sorry, that's someone that should be in the Hall of Fame. They really, there's so many that should be in the Hall of Fame that frankly, they probably won't. Right. You know, at one point I would have said maybe not for him, but they've put enough, like Mr. Fuji and Heenan and other uh, managers in, that frankly, Cornette, Jim Cornette should be in the fucking Hall of Fame. Yeah. He was a great manager. D- do you listen to his uh, podcast going on now? No, I haven't. Oh, it's fucking, it's fucking fantastic. It's literally my second favorite podcast ever. Of course, this one being the first. But I'm biased, so fuck off. <laughs> oh, Socko! Because nothing says ECW like a WWE product. Socko! They just... They had to show Socko and remind us all that... Oh, this is, this is ECW, but it's not. This is really WWE programming that you're watching, folks. Well, no shit. Not to make you think it's ECW. I mean, really, they, they did a pretty good job for most of this damn pay-per-view, and then they did Socko and fucked it all up. So. I kind of liked Socko at first. Yeah. But it got old after a while. What does everybody want? Head. Yeah, I mean, it's no worse than that, so. What am I hoping to get tonight? Oh, here comes Terry, which you got to wonder how quickly the guys in the back said, oh shit, we got to get this on him. You got to go back out (laughs) with the wrapping around his head. And I mean, that didn't take long to bleed through. Now he's, you know, taking out uh, Edge and Mick with Francine or God knows what they used to call that motherfucker. But it was just a board wrapped in barbed wire. It really was. Oh, and now it's a board wrapped in barbed wire on fire. And Mick was kind of on fire there for a second. Couldn't get that out. I bet his back just looks pretty right now. Oh, a pin to Beulah. And there's the match. It's over. But ooh, let's see here. Oh, now everybody's up and out of the ring. You get a bloody Terry looking around like, huh, I may never see this place again. And now you have John and Rob Van Dam, RVD, the whole effing show against <laughs> the face that runs the place, which is just the cheesiest goddamn tagline that I've ever heard. You know, now that they're showing them on commentary, because I'm watching this shit on mute, which mute and drunk is pretty much the only way to watch this pay-per-view. However... You probably knew this before I did, but I didn't even know Taz was on commentary after his match. So we're, what, like an hour and almost two hours into it, actually. Hour and 50 minutes, and I just now, because they did that little cutaway, (laughs) I saw him. But now you got, uh, going back to the pay-per-view real quick, you've got Masato Tanaka and the late Balls Mahoney. And I'm not going to say the late and the great Balls Mahoney, because just, no. No. I'll just leave it at late. Yeah, yeah. He was probably late for this (laughs) pay-per-view. All right, well, a few little punches and nice little back slam or body slam or back drop or whatever the hell, I don't care. Not, Not just because I'm drunk, but because I just don't care about this match. Oh. Almost got like a Dusty Rose kind of jab there going for him. Oh, a few little rights. Then the wind up and the pitch. 
I mean, how often do you to yell ball in a ginormous group like that? You know, actually, and I can't even take credit for this. I was with somebody at a house show, and this individual said, basically, you can yell anything you want. You want to yell leaf lettuce? You can yell leaf lettuce, and no one will notice. I said, you're so full of shit. I said, you want to bet? And he literally yelled, leaf lettuce. No one batted an eye. That's crazy. Yeah. But literally, you could yell anything. You can yell fucking soy milk in the middle of an arena. And no one will bat an eye. No one will even notice. Like, you would imagine you'd have to say something that has to do with what's going on. No, no. Not if you want to keep it interesting. What was that? Belly to back or some shit like that? Right off the top rope? Shit. Again, I have this on mute. Is the match already over? What the fuck? The chair and that was it. Oh, hell. Bullshit. Especially considering the fact that we have John Cena versus RVD next. (laughs) And that's bullshit on its own. It really is. But, oh, hell. Oh, Eugene. Did you hear that Eugene now has his own wrestling promotion? You know where it is? Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Really? Yeah, because, you know, when I think the evolution and future of the business, I think Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Or not. I want He's got to be one hell of an actor to pull off this gimmick. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I agree there. He does have to be a great actor to be able to pull off being so special. And uh, you you get what I mean by special. And it's a gimmick they can get away with doing today. Too many people would be completely offended. Yeah, oh, well, yeah. But we live in such a PC world that it's 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 insane. I hate it. But okay, here comes Sandman. Even though he was really just Stone Cold 2.0. And really, he actually showed up before Stone Cold showed up. He was in ECW, drinking beer and kicking ass with that Singapore cane, before Paul E. Dangerously called up Stone Cold Steve Austin, then stunning Steve Austin, and said, you want to come in here and get a free mic and basically just say whatever the fuck you want? (laughs) You know, it's a no-brainer as far as he's concerned. He said, hell yeah, I'll come. And then it's funny because they see that shit and want to work with uh, that. And what do they do? They fuck it all up. Uh, Well... Eugene just got his ass whooped and fled to the back, and now Sandman's pandering to the crowd. But, yeah, they fuck it all up by pairing him with Ted DiBiase, putting the million-dollar belt on him and calling him the ringmaster. And then not letting him speak. That was half the interest of him in ECW, was his promos. I mean, shit. Oh. RVD. I used to like RVD because he wasn't shy about the fact that he liked his lead. Alright. It, it, oh, look! Even back then, Cena was getting middle fingers. I love that. Did you just see that? They keep throwing the damn John Cena t-shirt back. And I think that if half the crowds that he shows up in front of now did that more often, we wouldn't see John Cena now. You know, I, I don't really know sign language, but I'm pretty sure I can read those two fingers that the dude just gave him. <laughs> Is RVD still chewing on gum right in the middle of a match? Yep. <laughs> and we wonder just exactly when they began to say, you know what? Fuck believability. Even in a schoolyard fight, you either swallow the gum or you spit it out. I can't even remember how this one ended. I'm pretty sure Cena kept the title. At this point, I am so 
happy, if you will, that frankly, I don't remember how this match ended. I don't remember how half the matches that I've watched ended. You know, at this point, I feel like just sitting through this, we're going to have to treat ourselves to something like a WrestleMania 8 or something good, you know? Well, they're outside of the ring and looks like they're about to take it to the crowd. Oh, and there goes RVD. That'd be a dangerous spot for you, Cena. Yeah. Because this crowd hates you. You know, looking back at this, I know this was only 10 years ago, but then I look at me and look at pictures of me 10 years ago and wonder what the fuck happened to the guy I see in those pictures. So you got to look at Cena in this pay-per-view and him now. And you got to wonder, okay, that was a really badly placed shot that just happened. RVD went after him with a punch to the face. Yeah, it was like six feet away. Yeah, and yet he still sold it. There's bad selling, and then there's selling in a bad moment. Yeah. But, you know, my point is, you look at Cena now and Cena then, and you wonder where the hell he's keeping that uh, fountain of youth that he's obviously... This man does not age today. No, and and it, it kind of pisses me off. Because in a day, I age 10 years. Pretty much. It's actually an entertaining match. I didn't think it would be. We were talking about it before I hit play and record. And, you know, when I told you what the match card was, let's face it, both of us went, Oh, uh, say what now? Yeah, it hasn't been that long for me. But that's just because I have no life. Oh, wait. Someone just speared Cena through a table. Who was that? Hold on. Oh, look at that. It was Edge. You can't see me. RVD looking around like, I've got no idea what's going on. Even though I'm pretty sure he probably saw that all from outside the ring and uh oh and then here comes Heyman even though he's not a ref it's his promotion though so it doesn't matter it's Vince's promotion I don't know what the hell he I don't know I still don't know why he did it but apparently it counted the one two three and there we go RVD is the ECW champion because Heyman didn't think that going into a moment when they're going to have ECW programming on sci-fi, <laughs> which just was, they did a bang-up job there. They It just worked so fucking well. But, you know, because they couldn't have that with a WWE superstar as their champion, there you have it. RVD's the champ. But, you know, we, we see how well that really worked afterwards because even though he was the champ, that didn't last. I still think that is one of the ugliest belts they've ever created. Oh, it really is. But, all right. RVD celebrates in the crowd. Heyman gives that shit-eating grin. Uh, who's coming out into the actual ring here? couple of different uh, wrestlers and things like that but and that was pretty much the end of the pay-per-view I mean shit at that point when all that happens you have all of about three minutes left but you know get a recap of the match a recap of the night and that's pretty much it we're done so wasn't as shitty as I expected it to be. You know, it it was shitty. Don't get me wrong. It was shitty. However, it was not nearly as shitty as, like you said, I thought it was going to be. As much as I hate to say it, I look at uh, Just Incredible, and I, I begin to play a little game that I call Dead, Not Dead, Thought He Was Dead. Right. Because, I mean, you got... Uh, Balls Mahoney, dead. Yep. Just incredible. Thought he was dead. 
And then you got a few that probably should be. If for no other reason than what they've put their body through. So, All right, well, that, my friends, was the pay-per-view. And uh, with that, that's pretty much the episode. So find me on Twitter, uh, at uh, FickleFanboyRPM, uh, or, you know, support the show on Patreon, or find me on Facebook. Find me, just hunt me down. Let me know if you like this uh, dynamic that we've got going on here, and if you do, shit, I'm up for it if you are. Oh yeah, I'm always down. But, uh, for now... This is RPM and uh, the Bearded Taco. And this is the Fickle Fanboy. We'll be seeing you.